Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, can you just take a moment and just take a deep breath in right now? It's his breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Take one more deep breath in, and as you do, would you feel his great pleasure over your life? Take a deep breath in. Does it give you peace? To know how much God loves you, how much he is in control, how much he has favor for you. Well, we are on this series called Heaven to Earth, and um, the first week we talked about his promise, this promise that he gave us to the prophet so many years ago. And this past week we, we talked about his, his presence. And how he made himself so vulnerable because we are so valuable to him. Did you reflect on that in your life group this week? I know that we had a great opportunity to um, go to a life group party. Somebody invited to their party and it's like, man, you guys have a great life group. We thought we had a good life group and then went to this life group. Was that They know how to party. It was a good life group party. And, but I was very, um, I had a, a lot of great conversations, and, and one of the conversations with, was with Richie's wife, who's a Filipino. Well, you knew that, Richie, you know, or worship guy. But man, his wife is so funny. I don't know if you know Cresslin, uh, but she is a riot, and she was telling some Asian jokes. And um, we start talking about race, and we started talking about different cultures, and I'm from Ottawa, Ontario, and and uh, so we started talking about our heritage and where we came from, and just a group of us standing around having the conversation. I said, has anybody done one of those DNA tests to find out where you really come from? Well, I did that about a, a year ago, and it kind of messed me up even a little bit further, because I thought I knew where I came from. But they said, the DNA that I have is most like to people in, I, I could get this one, is New Zealand. I could get that one. But then they went over to uh, Kuwait. I have the most likeness of DNA to people who live in Kuwait. That confused me. <laughs> then my third top ranking, though, was, was from South America. I was like, that even confused me even more. And so, but, but we started talking about this, our likenesses and, and where our heritage comes from. And I always love going into group settings because it, uh, I, I watch people. I watch how they engage and interact. And I always like to see who takes the initiative in a conversation. It, it fascinates me. And we're going to be talking about today is God's, God's purpose of why he took the initiative to come to earth as Jesus. Why God took the initiative, and we'll be talking about his purpose in a little bit. But before we go there, I, I have a couple words, prophetic words that were given over our church this week that I wanted to, I wanted to share with you. 
This one just came through yesterday and received this word and judged this word. God shows me a small group of people kneeling at our stage at the church. I saw a bright light, and through that light, I saw Jesus with his arms stretched out. I could hear the booming voice of the Lord saying, Be patient and diligent and steadfast to my word and my teachings. While the road may be rocky and rough, know this, my children, that I, your Father in heaven, share your tears, your struggles, And if you follow and trust my teaching, there will be glory at the end. For like a sword that has to be tempered by heat, so shall my church need to be tempered. And what comes out of it is a sword of splendor and strength that can withstand anything thrown at it. We are commanded to stop in any all grumbling and discontentment, for it only brings evil And it invites it. Instead, we must stand together shoulder to shoulder with arms locked, ready to battle with whatever comes our way, and stand together in unity if we are to win souls for Christ. For at the end of this vision comes the new church, one that has weathered the storm and is ready to go out into the world and to help those who are in need of the Father's love. Amen. Here's another word that came a few days earlier. Proverbs 28.1 says this, The righteous are as bold as a lion. The lion of the east, his reference or name for Grace Capital Church. The lion of the east. With a voice that carries to the nations, the earth will hear you roar. A powerful move of God is coming. Prepare the body to encounter me. I'm coming to you as a lion. The enemy has kept you quiet for far too long. You're going to roar like you've never done before. And this person said, I really felt the Lord impressed upon me the powerful move of God that is going to flow through and out of our church. It's going to be a place where the enemy cannot stand. I believe our church is going to be a place the Lord uses to speak to the nations. Anybody want to receive that word this morning? God is speaking to us, and he has a plan for us. He's on the move, and he's asking those of us who will stand with him to say, will you be on the move with us? God is shaking for sure, but he's looking for the things that will be solid, that he can build on to build his church for his kingdom, to reach those who don't yet know him. And this is what today's message is going to be about, is his purpose for why he came to earth. You know, see, he took the initiative to come to earth. Just like many of us either will have an easy time taking initiative in conversations or a hard time. I I was thinking about this, uh, about the idea of taking initiative, and I, I was inquisitive, because I heard some statistics and wondering if it was true. You know, through the women's liberation movement, we, we all felt like, you know, women have equal rights, which they do, but, but maybe sometimes women become more assertive, take more initiative than they once felt they could. And so I had an idea of whether or not it was still true that, is it okay for women to ask guys out on a date? 
<laughs> I'm not telling you whether it is or isn't wrong, but, but it is interesting to me. There is a study that was just done on whether or not women today are more apt to take initiative to ask men out on a date. I found this statistic, which was interesting, that actually a great majority of women, 93%, prefer to be asked out. So even though we might think, well, women, you know, equal opportunity, equal rights, the reality is women prefer still to be asked out. Only 6% preferred to be asked. However, the majority of men preferred to do the asking. 83% of men wanted to ask, while 16% preferred to be asked out on a date. You 16% of you guys, you want to be asked. But the interesting thing in that study is it was really about, it's, it's not the initiative. See, women, they give off nonverbal cues if they like a guy. So I've been told. I, I'm not a girl, so, but, so I've been told in this research. And guys, though, have some courage and boldness, and I guess they're not afraid of being rejected sometimes, and so they'll ask. Taking an initiative. Now, when you're in a... Uh, a marriage relationship. If you're married, look at your spouse right now and give them a nice smile. All right. So, so when you fight or argue or disagree, who takes the initiative to make up? You can look at each other now and see if you agree or not. There's a reason why there's some who just like press. We got to get it solved, get it solved. And there's others who like, I just want to hide in the corner and don't talk to me. But the scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And, and the reason is, is he always wants to, about restoring a relationship. But the idea of reconciliation is, is just hardwired in us. And talking about the purpose of why God came to earth, we see this whole idea of that he was, he was the one to initiate the restoration and the reconciliation of a relationship. You see, we don't have to be the ones to take initiative. Now, we do have to respond to his invitation. But we are not the ones who have to take initiative. If you turn with me to your Bibles, remember we've been talking about bringing your Bibles. So hopefully you've been doing that. Um, Somebody asked me, why don't we put the scripture up on the screen anymore? and, And are we trying to become not as biblically centered? And I said, no, just the opposite. I'm not putting the scripture up there because I want you to bring your Bibles to look in your Bibles and find the verses yourself because hopefully you're going to be in your Bibles throughout the week and you need to know where things are. So Luke chapter 2, this is the traditional Christmas story and it's not a story, it is an actual historical account. This is true. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. That's King David to be registered with Mary, 
his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. By the way, I'm just going to stop there for a moment. If you have your Bibles, put something in here because I would encourage you to read this Christmas story on Christmas morning. If you have kids, it's also good. And and make this your tradition. Get into God's Word on Christmas morning. Make it the first thing you do before you open presents. Just a suggestion. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were uh, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great news. Bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. And you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. On a side, I want to speak this over this congregation. Peace. Peace to you whom the Lord is well pleased. Do you receive that word this morning? Peace to you whom the Lord is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one Another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Question for you. When God took the initiative to send Jesus, he also took the initiative to make Jesus known, and who did he make him known to first? Well, in this story, it's the shepherds. The angels appeared to the shepherds. Now, we do know there was a star in the east, and we had some wise men who were, who were traveling there. But, but in this account, the angels appeared to the shepherds. We're going to finish reading, and we're going to be talking about the shepherds because it's really important to understand why it is that he came and made himself known first and foremost to the shepherds. And verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherds the first ones to be told. The angels appeared to them. The shepherds in that day were actually known as unsavory characters. They were in the caste system that were, that were in the similar parts of the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the shepherds. 
the unsavory characters of the day. The reason being is shepherds in the day, one, they'd be in the fields for weeks. They wouldn't shave. They would stink. They're hanging out with sheep. If you've been around sheep, sheep don't smell so nice. Shepherds would often have problems with feeding their sheep. They were relegated, so much of an outcast, they were relegated into the, into the desert areas to feed their sheep. There's not a lot of grass in deserts. So the shepherd, as they would go along, these sheep would then go into crops and fields and eat, and that would be, in essence, stealing. Shepherds were the scoundrels, the thieves, the unpleasant the outcasts, the looked-down-upons, the ones that could actually not even go into the temple courts. You see, it's so amazing, the purpose of why Jesus came the way he did was really found in who he announced his arrival to first. See, Jesus' name actually means Look on the screen. God saves. Jesus' name means God saves. And who does he show up to first is the shepherds, the very ones who never felt they could ever come close to a holy God in the temple. I don't know about you, but when you start to think about that, that, that God not only does he come so vulnerable as a baby... But he comes to announce his, his arrival to the shepherds, the most lowly of people. I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of hope. Because sometimes we feel like our past, our poor mistakes, our poor decisions have kept us distance from God and somehow this amazing holy God that we seem to have all of these, these instructions in God's word. I don't measure up. And guess what? The shepherds definitely did not measure up. I was visiting my neighbor yesterday who was in his 80s. I'd heard he had a stroke earlier on in the week, and so I, he was back home. And he's a tough old guy, and I said, so what's this? You had a stroke? He goes, oh, the doctors are just making it up. I didn't have a stroke. On my way over to his house, I felt that God whispered to me and says, you're his pastor. That moment sitting down with him, I knew a little bit of his past. He was a, he was a contractor and, and he had made a lot of money. And I knew some stories that maybe he didn't make his money always the most honorable way. And I began telling him a little bit of my message that I was going to share today. I said, anybody can come to Jesus. I know that. And you can come to Jesus. And I know that. And I began to tell him some sketchy things of my own past. You see, I think sometimes people think, oh, he's a pastor, that somehow he's, he's got it all figured out, and he's all together. And I began telling him of my failures and my shortcomings. He says, you? That was you? I said, absolutely. And you know what? Jesus loves me. And he forgave me. And he continues to forgive me. And, and you know, God so wants to be close to us 
that he wants to make himself so accessible that not only did he create a, a little vulnerable baby that anybody could come to, but who did he announce his arrival to? The shepherds, the scoundrels of the day. He could have chosen the announcement to anybody, but he chose shepherds, stinking shepherds in a field. And not only did they announce it, but then they said, hey, we need to go come close to this baby Jesus. We need to come close to God. And they did. And they celebrated. And they celebrated. If you'll turn with me also to your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 18. It's a parable that Jesus gives about the lost sheep. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament. Matthew chapter 18. Before we read that section, the parable of the lost sheep, I, I want to let you know the purpose of Jesus. Not only is it God saves, there, I would say there's four purposes that Jesus had in coming. And if you have a pen and, and piece of paper, I, I'm going to jot some things down. I'm not going to, I'm going to give you scripture references, but I'm not going to go into detail with them. So you'll want to look those up later. The, the first thing that we understand about God, and we've talked about this a little bit already before, he initiates a relationship with us. You see, when, when God was in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned. He still pursued Adam and Eve. He was the first one to pursue them. And this whole idea of pursuing us to make a right relationship with us, that's called reconciliation. You want to read about that in 2 Corinthians 5.19. 2 Corinthians 5.19. Next, we understand this is the, yes, Jesus is God saves. His heart is this. His heart is that, none should perish. None, not one. His heart that is that none should perish. And the scripture to that one that you want to look at is 2 Peter 3.9. You see, God wants to not only save us from a separation right now in this earth, in this world, from him. So when we come and get reconciled, right relationship with God, today we can have peace and we can approach him with confidence. But he also saves us from eternity separation, an eternal separation. And he wants us to say, not only today do I want to have right relationship, but I want to have right relationship for all eternity. So when we give our life to Jesus, that's, and we live for him and we make him Lord of our life, that, that establishes this relationship for all eternity. Next, the third purpose for Jesus' coming was to reveal the Father. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The scripture verse for that one is this. John 14, verse 9. John 14, verse 9. One of the purposes of Jesus' coming is to reveal the nature and the heart of who our Father in heaven is. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. You look at the qualities of Jesus and how he conducted his life, we begin to see the heart of a good father. And then lastly, 
his purpose. His purpose was to seek out those who were lost. See, he takes the initiative to find those who are lost with the hopes that they will be saved. And we see this in Matthew chapter 18. Parable of the lost sheep, verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has 100 sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that ever went astray. So is it not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish? His heart is that not one should perish. He's always going out there to look and to seek those who are lost. But guess how he does that? Through people like you and me. You see, the Spirit of God that lives in us, if you've given your life to Jesus, the Spirit of Him lives in us. We call that the Holy Spirit. We also have this opportunity to ask for a greater infilling of a spirit, and that gives us the boldness and the empowerment to share Jesus with others. And the reality is, if we are to be like Jesus, which Jesus showed us how to live, we need to be also engaged in this mission to go. To go where? To go after those who don't know Jesus to go seek and save the lost. See, sometimes we get very happy and very comfortable in our congregations and we've been found, we're part of the family now, and we get so comfortable we forget, wait a second, why do we exist? Yes, it's to grow in the likeness of Jesus. We do that together. And we do that better together. And we do that in life groups. And we do that on Sunday mornings, being instructed by the word and worshiping him and being in his presence. But then he puts us on mission to go outside this place and be looking and seeking and finding and taking the initiative to reach those who don't know him. This Christmas Eve, actually if I have my ushers They're going to hand a basket around, and can you just take one of these little cards? On one side, it says, Heaven Earth. Actually, just like that little slide right up there. The other side is it actually talks about, it says, Join us Christmas Eve 3 and 5. Gives our website. I want you to go ahead and pass those baskets, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you so much. And just take one. Just take one of these little cards. This card is not only a reminder that we need to be praying for our family or our friends who don't know Jesus. But we're going to invite them to Christmas Eve. I'm so passionate 
about doing what Jesus says to do in his word. I'm so passionate about living for him. And I've seen where I have been in my life. What he has saved me from. The junk of my past. The poor decisions. And even when I mess up today, he's there to forgive me and instruct me and to love me. And how could we ever stop and get comfortable and realize that, wait a second, how did I come to know Jesus? Think about that for a moment. How did you come to know Jesus? I would say, well, let me ask the question. Sometimes God just shows up in a dream and he just shows up in a miraculous way. But most times, you get to know Jesus because somebody else. How many people got to be introduced to Jesus by somebody else? Raise your hand. You see? Somebody cared enough for you. The thought that you were valuable enough, that you were worth saving. You didn't do it. The Lord does. But you introduced him or her to Jesus. This Christmas Eve, we're going to have a very clear and compelling invitation. Your friends are going to be cared for and nurtured. It's not a sales job. It is a Jesus job. (laughs) where people can feel his presence and his love, but we're going to invite people to receive Jesus. After all, wouldn't it be amazing to have a spiritual birth on the birthday of Jesus? That we can celebrate. Wouldn't that be the best Christmas present for you if one of your friends came to know Jesus? It would. You see, he came to the ones who felt like they couldn't come to him. That's what what Jesus did. He came to the very ones who didn't feel like they were good enough to come to him. And I guarantee you, so many people don't feel good enough to come to Jesus. They feel somehow that maybe they might be judged. They feel like somehow that that's their past will somehow have to come out and they'll have to, you know, repent in front of everybody. I don't know what their perception is, but I know they feel. They, we talked about this last week. They feel like the building will catch on fire if they step in to it. I also know this, that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Faith moves mountains. That person that you're already thinking of, that you're going to invite, in your mind you're thinking of them and you're like, there is no way. I wish, but there's no way. But maybe there is a way. And the way is that you're going to pray and you're going to believe for a miracle that they would say yes to you. See, God took the initiative 
to come to us. And he's asking us if we'll take the initiative to come to others. Just to invite them. Now some might just feel like, you know what? I want to be the one to to bring him to Jesus. If he puts that on your heart, share with them, even before they come. Or maybe if they come and they don't receive Christ, that's fine. Still be in their lives and love on them. And ask that God will give you that opportunity. See, we just know that every single one, the heart of God is that every single one can come to him. He appeared to the shepherds as the first people to announce the birth of Jesus. Wow! This Christmas, wouldn't it be great to announce Jesus to your friends and to your family? Will you invite them to Christmas Eve? He came to the ones who felt like they couldn't come to him. The interesting thing is Jesus has already done the pursuit. He's just wanting us to join him. To pursue others with him. And pray. And believe. Father, this morning, we would ask that you would even now whisper the name of that person that you want us to ask. And God, you would create those divine appointments when we have that little card in our pocket that we're going to carry around with us or in our purse or in our satchel. Father, that we would be so mindful of that opportunity to invite that person. God, we're just not inviting them to a service. We're inviting them to be in relationship with you. To be reconciled to you. To understand that there's a different way to live as a kingdom of God way to live. Father, we want to say that you're, you're a good father. And and you are perfect in all of your ways. So perfect that you sent a baby Jesus. And you announced to the shepherds to know that, God, you want to be so approachable. That you want to be so available that anybody can come. Lord, I'm also mindful that there might be some here today that don't know you. And maybe they've made a decision in the past, maybe, and maybe they've walked away, but they're still here, and and, and they want to recommit their life to you. Jesus, I'm just wondering if, if you're right now tugging on somebody's heart to receive you. To recommit their life to you. Father, I believe that you're asking those to respond. 
Father, I also pray for each one of us who will be mindful of praying for those friends. Keep it on our hearts. Keep us pressing in. Because God, you, you wanted everybody to know you. Everybody to come close to you. Your heart is that not one should perish. Let us join together in all four of our locations that this Christmas we will celebrate all of those who have come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close this song, I believe the Lord is asking this of some of you. If, if you are here and you want to know Jesus for the first time, or if you want to rededicate your life to him, would you, as we're singing, just make your way up here? You can stand or kneel, but just as a point of response to him. And you can experience how good our father is. Would you do that? Let's stand and sing this together. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 